Paul, I think I can help people if I just get my hands a little dirtier. Are you even trying to be careful? Huh? Or are you just gonna burn your career and take me down with you? Coin flip. <laughs> And hello, everyone out there in podcast land, and welcome to PBNB Shrinks, a Ted Lasso to Shrinking Fancast from your friends at the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, the team that brought you peanut butter and biscuits. And now we're bringing that Ted Lasso adjacent type feel to you as Brett Goldstein moves to a different show. So must we. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and back here with me, as always, you know him, you love him. He's Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, man? I think at least most people love me, right? Yeah. They like me. They I mean, really, really like me. There's got to be right? like two no. or three in the world that don't or something. But, uh, you know. I'm sure. Uh, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure there are. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, this is really going to be fun, man, to actually go in and bust out the first episode of Shrinking. And to be able to go back and rewatch this was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. it was. this is like my fourth time through the series, I think. But to watch it with more of that kind of critical ish eye in that like you got to sort of stop and make sure that you're getting all the recap points and everything but it's going to be a blast i'm i'm looking forward to this one yeah this is a lot of really cool fun stuff and i gotta say really getting the juices flowing again uh you know because look you know there was some uh the summer craig and i were involved in so much crazy uh show live theater performance stuff i went into a cocoon for work for a couple of months um and now we're finally emerging again it was good to get the podcast juices flowing again develop a show and get some segments together and stuff like that and to come back into it with shrinking is really really going to be fun um it really does like have that ted lasso energy and now there's a lot of reasons why there's a lot of similar cast members and uh crew members um and stuff like that so there's definitely the crossover that you're going to see and i'm going to point some of those out um but yeah i'm just excited to to get this kind of going again and just want to let you all know too like the front row network we're about to start churning a lot more again because again my brain is free i I've been released from from all of the things that constrain. So, um, but really, really happy to get it to this one. Uh, Craig, before we jump into segments, um, do you have anything else you want to say before we like dive dive into everything? Just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the community that continues to come around this show as well. Yeah. And to talk about sort of some of the ideas and issues that are brought up in these episodes that are a little bit different from Ted. You know, the the hopeless optimist that you get boarding that plane <laughs> right away in the beginning of the pilot episode we see sort of the uh antithesis to Not this quite our hero, is it? <laughs> and so it'll be fun to kind of relive this experience and uh to just be able to continue to see where this goes also i think we should probably mention great on the writers you know at the time of yes, this recording the union membership hasn't actually approved the deal uh hopefully by the time this is released they would have done that but great to see the writers moving in that direction and hope that SAG AFRA is able to uh, come to an agreement with the producers as well. And, and hopefully, you know, they say that this might lay some of the groundwork, but I was talking to one of my buddies who is really living through all of this in Hollywood, and he was mentioning how different the issues really are between the writers and the actors when Definitely. it comes to AI. So here's hoping that they are able to get through that and that the producers decide that uh, they're ready to give the actors what are needed, what's needed to get them back to work as well. So uh, that's that, that's kind of our quick 
momentary update to the strikes <laughs> and where we're at. But yeah, we do know from Luke Tenney that uh, season two was slated to go into production sometime in June or July at the time that he recorded with us. So I'm hopeful that this is one of the shows that will have already a script written or they already were starting to get into production for season two and that that can hurry up and start as soon as this all gets back to moving. Yeah, definitely. And also not uh, we, of course, have been uh, in, um standing with all of the striking writers and actors we've been uh, tailoring our coverage to make sure that we are within their guidelines um, until the strikes are over um, and of course uh, we learned yesterday at least I did from Twitter that of course from our good friend AJ Cataline that uh, IATSE will probably be on that picket line or may might be there uh, before the end of the year as well so everyone just continue to educate yourselves continue to be uh, you know informed and to stand with those who create the content that we love so so much um, having said that um, again, another little news brief for everyone. Um, all right, let's do this, though. We've got new segments to do this show, everyone, and we hope that you really like them. Let's uh, welcome back in our good, good friend Larry Smith as he introduces us to what we go and get your thoughts on this show and everything else. It's time for some shrink wrap. Hey, that's the shrink wrap. All right, Craig, we've got our first shrink wrap segment here. What comments do you have from the listeners out there? So I should probably first off say that we're going to start to do this for every single episode. Yes. So we will be posting in our Peanut Butter and Biscuits Facebook page uh, that you can comment there with some of your uh, insights into the previous episodes. I know that some of you don't social media, so you can always find us at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. We didn't change our name there. So right. <laughs> frontrowlasso at gmail.com. And then you can also uh, hit us up either on Instagram or on Twitter. I don't yeah. know if I can ever call it X. For so, X formerly uh, Twitter. You can find us there, PBBFRN on, I guess, X uh, Twitter. And uh, then also you can find us at Peanut Butter Biscuit Time on Instagram. But that's where you can kind of, of leave course, your comments and your thoughts. But of course, Craig, the fastest way and the guaranteed way to get on this segment, leave us that review on iTunes, everyone, and you will make sure you get yourself on here. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I think, uh, Jer, at this point, I mean, we can figure this out, but we will we will also let you know how you can actually record audio and send it into yes, us, too, because yes, I yes. think that could be really fun. But let's go to I just kind of asked generically, not only you helping us name our segments for this show, but also just your thoughts on our intro episode and the show is overall. And we had one from Matt and he said, as far as the review, shrinking is definitely a fascinating view behind the curtains of what makes what it's like for bill lawrence and krista miller <laughs> she's basically playing herself yeah and she's talked about how she's worried about bill uh will just putter around the house if he doesn't have a show that he's working on um and he said also the lawyer friend of jason siegel is pretty much an alternate universe of bill lawrence <laughs> they both love pickleball and they believe believe everything will work out for them so thanks for the insights there and then tamra you know she went into this sort of discussion that I think we're going to have throughout this series. And that is that she knows a lot of therapist friends mm -hmm. out there that had some real ethical questions about this show. And those are brought up actually in the pilot episode, a lot more than I had remembered them right. being bring up, brought up because I kind of just thought that they were sort of uh, left behind and they, they don't come up as often in the later episodes, but I did realize this time watching it with a more critical eye, that it is talked about quite a bit, the ethics of all of this, whether that's from Paul or from Gabby, yeah. uh, that Jimmy's kind of going off on his own here and that he's going to get himself in some trouble potentially for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. So very, very good discussions there. Um, and again, make sure you get those in there, Facebook, social media, or, and of course, Guaranteed Way. Get on the iTunes, give us a rating and review, and we will make sure we review it. But now it's time, everyone. We are going to go into this episode and break it on down. So it's time to ask that everlasting question, Craig, and how does that make you feel? Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how does that make you feel? All right, everyone, let's get right into it here. Episode one of Shrinking. Um, This is a a very good, as you said, episode in terms of like, you know, a a lot of times it's very hard for a a series to like just come right out of the gate and set up so many different characters, so many different things. But I love how this episode like really slow rolls it um, in terms of like, you know, it doesn't give us like everything all at once and like even like the things we learn about Jimmy and about everyone else it really does just kind of like do this great slow walk into getting us into the episode so uh, episode one here it is called coin flip um, very good episode and the joke that we'll get there we open though with uh, and again guys Music is so big a part of the show. I mentioned it when we talked to Luke Tenney. Um, we have a whole segment for it, but like, I just love how music is used in the show. Speaking of which, we open uh, on the frenetic chords of Billy Joel's iconic Angry Young Man. Um, this is an amazing piece of music. I'll talk about it more later. Um, but I think like the the big part of it is just the the kind of lyrical content of it in terms of you know the story it's telling. But again, I gotta save that. I gotta save that. Uh, we open though the very first picture we see is of our characters Liz played by uh, Kristen Miller and Derek uh, her husband uh, and God, I'm, uh, McGinney I think is his name. I, I gotta remember the actor's name. Ted McGinney. Ted McGinney I believe it is McGinley. Ted McGinley. I was close. Uh, Ted McGinley. Um, they hear this music though that it's very very loud as they're trying to sleep. Uh, Liz tries to get Derek to go uh, out and deal with it, but he's uh, faking sleeping um, and then just kind of like, tells like, can't you just go do it? So she frustratedly walks out, but uh, first throws a pillow at his head, but he is like literally unfazed by this, which means that right off the bat, Greg, I love this already because it shows that there's like this, this fun little relationship that's not like a typical type of relationship you see on TV. Um, but we go from there and we cut straight to our main hero, Jimmy, uh, played by Jason Siegel. Um, he is playing some airplane piano out by his pool with two very attractive young women in the pool um there's booze there's pills everywhere so finally liz calls jimmy over to talk and tells him that it's 3 a.m um and they have a very very funny exchange um that's very typical of kind of the way krista miller delivers lines um and she's uh, not interested in talking jimmy is very unapolo- uh, very apologetic though um and i wrote this down craig is that you really get the sense that she's not as angry as you would think in a situation like this, when you typically see this kind of a situation in like film or anything like that. Um, it's, it's interesting though, because Jimmy seems like a very apologetic person here, but did you get the sense right away from these opening scenes of like what Jimmy's kind of state of mind is just from based on this first scene? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned that the episode does a really good job of slow rolling. And I should mention that our goal in this is not to spoil future episodes just in case you're watching along with us you know and yes. then you're watching an episode and then you decide to turn on the show but you don't find out i mean you do find out within this episode about his the car accident that claimed his wife's life and so we don't know why he's so down and out throughout a large portion of this episode yeah. and the you can almost feel like the depression that he has and just the physical look of jason yes. siegel 
he's someone that is able to really embody emotion in a way. I mean, he was able to do that even in a comedy like How I Met Your Mother and uh, when he's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and The Muppets. Like, yeah, yeah. He wears on his face and, and not even just his face, but like his entire body, the demeanor of whatever emotion he's trying to convey. He's a great actor in that way. And mm. you can just tell so much that uh, this is a man that is clearly taking painkillers and Adderall right by the pool at right. three in the morning and doesn't know who these women are and like it's re referenced from liz like are they hookers have you paid for them and he says not, not yet, yet. <laughs> uh, kind of like he just doesn't doesn't really know and you know it just it's a man who is completely down and out and completely um lost mm. and you can tell that from the very first time you meet him and that's what makes sort of his hero's journey really kind of interesting in that it's completely different from our previous hero in Ted. You know, yeah. you get to see this person at their very weakest point. With Ted, we didn't get that until the seventh episode of the first season, Yeah, right? So, so you get it right away here, and it's going to definitely have some parallels as far as their interactions with the cast and especially the writing. But I thought it was interesting to start us off with such a low point for our hero. Yeah, and one of the things in that conversation that we learn um, is that Liz actually asked, like, where's Alice? And we don't know who this is yet, but we learn the next morning as the sun rises that Alice is his teenage daughter, uh, and she is actually cleaning up his late night partying. And, you know, Craig, the tension is very palpable here. She is basically borderline ignoring him, aside from giving him an aspirin with water um, and giving him some oats, um, which, you know, morning oats. We'll talk about the efficacy of that. Um, but uh, it's very, very, very palpable, even though he tries to talk to her through his hangover um, but she is just very much not interested in talking and as she's leaving she actually takes a picture that is downturned on the counter and puts it right side up and we see it's a picture of Jimmy Alice and another woman so we assume this is his wife but we also as you already said like where is she you know like is the reason he's sad that she left him or something like that um, you know again I love that this episode gives us kind of that like space to kind of draw that conclusion for ourselves at the beginning of this um, and so Alice leaves more like and I wrote like it's more like she's dealing with like an annoying sibling than her father. <laughs> it's like, she's just like, I don't want to hear any more of this. Um, we cut also to uh, Jimmy as he's getting ready. Uh, he's getting in his car, but is out of gas. So he gets a bike out. Um, and I love that. Like when the serious bikers are passing him, uh, the cursing out that he gives to the guy because they're telling him to get out of the way. And again, this is like such the Jason Siegel like way of delivering lines. But like, he literally says like, suck my dick, like very, very like happy and just like, but still, like absolutely insulting um but he once he gets to where he's going it's a therapy center and so and for me craig this is funny because you know when apple gave us the previews for this show you know i knew what it was about so i knew that he was playing a therapist but watching it this time i thought to myself if you didn't know anything about this show and you see this guy who's like going through crap who's like up at 3 a.m taking drugs and stuff and he's walking into a therapy center you would automatically think he's going for his own therapy, wouldn't you? Yeah, that he's, he's, a got patient, like a, yeah. he's a patient, but nope. Walks into the office, his uh, client Steve asks him, uh, or asks if he's okay, and he sits down and says, what's on your mind? And that kicks us into our title sequence. So what do you think of this whole dynamic between Jimmy and Alice and kind of the soft like reveal of like, oh, wait, this messed up guy is a therapist? 
such a huge shout out to Lukita Maxwell who plays Alice Absolutely. because she is uh, just going to be phenomenal throughout this entire series. But right from the very beginning, she establishes this silent dominance over yeah. the house. Like you can tell right away that she is the person that's in charge of this house mm -hmm. just from her actions. The, the simple acts of cleaning, uh, making sure that the overnight oats were ready for Jimmy in the morning. And we know that he was partying and woke up Liz at three in the morning. And so we also know that that's gotta be really tough on Alice as well. And so mm. it's kind of, it, it, it separates, like it's, it gives you this perfect amount of separation and distance between those two characters, which is going to be a tension throughout, not only this episode, but throughout the entire season. And then also you're, able to really see that she's the person that's kept this house running for Jimmy uh, while, you know, Tia is whatever has happened to his wife, Tia, which we'll, of course, find out later in this episode. Yeah, You mentioned the thing about being in the therapy session, and this is going to happen also right after the um, it continues on after the opening credits as well. But to see the mundaneness that a mm. therapist might have to go through, it puts this interesting juxtaposition that you've already talked about. Well, what if you're the person that is the therapist, but you're also in a way needing to be a patient? You're <laughs> um, you're still trying to do your job and to communicate well to others. But at the same time, it's difficult because of everything else that you have going on in your own lives. And so that's uh, a really fascinating way to start off this uh, therapy session as well. I, I enjoyed how they just got us right into it, mm -hmm. but they also showed us that like as much as therapy is needed and necessary and all these things for the therapist, I can imagine there are days mm. where it's quite like this, uh, where you almost need to be the patient more than the therapist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely here. Um, just an amazing, like opening five, seven minutes here, um, just to set up the basic premise of the show and the characters that are all going to be our main players here. Um, so I'm going to do something here. I want to talk about the opening titles, uh, because I'm not going to do, you know, the song every week <laughs> because this is the first time we hear it. And I want to get that discussion out of the way, but I remember the first time, I saw these this opening title sequence and I thought to myself that is just absolutely gorgeous just the imagery and everything and like that but the song is actually called frightening fishes um and it was written by the music supervisor tom howe who we've interviewed on this show because he was of course the composer for ted lasso as well um and also by one of my favorite artists of all time mr ben gibbard who is of course the lead singer and songwriter of death cab for cutie um and the postal service and a bunch of other places um and i gotta tell you craig like this song like always sticks out to me um you know ben gibbard is known for like taking innocuous phrases like that that are just kind of weird and then just weaving them into the song it's like oh that's where it is like typically when you name a song you would name it after like your main thought in like your chorus that you're going to be repeating over and over again nah he drops it in like the third line of like the fourth verse or something like that because that's just what he does um but again i don't know like death cab has always been one of my favorite bands because Gibber just has this way of like melding like emotion and like complex thoughts into really, really beautiful melodies. And I think that that's what's emphatic of this is that the package might not be completely like there in terms of like what you would think, but somehow it all works together. Um, and I just love this song and I love the imagery of like the, the, you know, still figures like the, the, the figurines that are just like moving their way rigidly through this maze, but also helping each other through it. So what do you think of this, of these opening titles? 
I loved it. I mean, and especially I love the visuals of it as well. The the maze and moving through it and then mm. uh, coming out and and seeing that it's like the mind at work mm -hmm. and all of these pit hole pitfalls that we run into that are uh, visually very much uh, put right in front of you during the opening credits. I, I got to tell you guys. Uh, don't don't come at me, Lasso fans. But this is a better opening than Ted Lasso's I think opening. So too. It just is. I think so too. I mean, you know, I I love me the you know I I love uh, seeing Richmond come to life. I love seeing Ted <sighs> sit in those seats. Uh, it's iconic at this point. But this is a really cool I think, opening. I think credits. this is our first shrink wrap question, Craig. It's just like, do you prefer? you know, the Ted Lasso main theme from Marcus Mumford or Ben Gibbard's Frightening Fishes here. That's going to be an interesting question. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. And going to the music that now that might be a different story Ooh, for me even, but yeah. if you're looking at just the overall opening credits, the opening sequence, okay, I'll I got to give it to shrink Visually. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I will yeah. give you that. Um, but yeah, but Marcus yeah. Mumford. I mean, come on, mm, man. Get, get Ben Gibbard and Marcus Mumford in a room. Just see what happens. <laughs> but I do love the lyrics, though, just to, to close that out of the chorus. Where you help me carry this weight that's dragging me down. Pull me out of the drink before I start to drown. Like let the wreckage all sink to where the fishes are frightening. I want to hear myself think again. What an amazing like lyrical turn of phrase there. Just to talk about someone trying to improve themselves and to let go of the things that are dragging them down. And man, does that set up everything else in this episode and in this series so so perfectly so tom ben amazing work on that one uh but let's cut back into the episode here we go to jimmy here and you said um there's actually uh like i think the first shot we see coming back is jimmy's head under the faucet in like the community kitchen area and it's a great shot i gotta say um but what i love about this this is our first time we get to see gabby played by emmy nominated jessica williams who in my mind is the absolute mvp of this series um and she literally just says good morning to him while his head is under this faucet and just pays absolutely no mind <laughs> it's just like so has to move around him yeah. i love that like <laughs> she's, she's just moving around sink, him like, like it's, with him yeah like whatever yeah. yeah it's just like morning jimmy <laughs> it's just like so fantastic but we then cut into this montage of jimmy talking to his pa uh, patients uh set to the amazing oxford comma by vampire weekend um and you can just tell that he's just exhausted annoyed like all of these problems i wrote craig from these people they seem like actually legit problems, but like the way they're framing them and the way they're talking about them, just I can understand how Jimmy, even like without dealing with what he's dealing with, would be so annoyed and so like just downtrodden by these people. Um, like and they, what I found very interesting, though, is that they all say that they feel stuck. And I thought like, man, that's the point of, of connection with Jimmy, isn't it? Because Jimmy is also stuck here too. Um, and of course this leads us to the big one, which is where J uh, Jimmy's talking with Grace, who is a very pretty girl, but she has a husband who constantly berates her as dumb. Um, and finally, like Jimmy just can't take it anymore. And he tells her that um, what he's actually really thinking, he finally just snaps and he lays it all out and says basically like you need to leave him and then gives her an ultimatum saying that he's done being her therapist if she doesn't. Um, and I do love that he starts to realize that he's crossed a line here, but then as he's starting to apologize, she actually agrees with him and just leaves to go do it. So Craig, talk to me about this sequence. You talked a little bit there, but also specifically diving into the scene with grace where Jimmy finally starts to just kind of cut loose. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Like, like coming back to it, I enjoy the idea that this was um, thought about as like this, cacophony of voices in his head yeah. and the way that they present that to us because again hearing some people's problems all day long 
uh, thank God for those therapists out there that do that. But like, also it's talked about later on in the episode by Jimmy, where he says like, you know, if you have this problem that keeps happening in your life, (laughs) maybe just don't do that problem. Maybe just make the other choice. And it's so easy for us to think that that's the answer to everything. But there's some real psychological issues that are going on here with his patients. And so I, I do think that it sets him up as sympathetic to a way like we feel sympathetic for his position, but we also are wondering if he's lacking enough empathy to be able to be a therapist, right? So it has us call into question his credentials a little bit in that moment, because we just saw him doing all this Adderall, um, doing the painkillers, you know, being up late at night. And then now he's really showing up in a very bad state for his patients and he's clearly not there for them. Like, so is this someone that should even be leading these sessions at the moment is kind of mm-hmm. what you, uh, you get to, but I, I love the bits with grace and her husband. Yeah. Uh, you talk about what we will, uh, soon call. We'll reveal our segment name later for our quotes <laughs> section, but he's got some good quotes about her husband in yeah. there for sure. And uh, it's interesting that he's like driven to give this ultimatum about either she, Grace, is going to leave her husband or that uh, Jimmy's going to be done being her therapist. And that is where we really start to get this ethical quandary that kind of sets this apart from what this could be as in terms of like actual therapy relationships here. Yeah, because it, Jimmy... I think that this is like the crux of the whole episode and the whole series because Jimmy's about to apologize. He's about to tell her like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. But when he sees that like something has clicked in her mind, finally she gets like the thing that she's supposed to do um, that, that would actually help her. It's just kind of like all of a sudden now this is going to spark something in him of like, maybe I should do this with others um, as well. And that gets us directly into our new scene where we get – a criminally not nominated for the Emmys, Harrison Ford, Craig, in what might be the definitive role of this man's career. Because this, the way he plays Paul in this series is just, it's just a chef's kiss here. Um, So we get to see him, uh, Gabby is filling up this huge bottle of water. Paul is very annoyed by this, telling her it's just too much water. Uh, this is going to be a gag that keeps going through pretty much, I think, like the first half of this season. Um, but Jimmy walks in and he actually asks Paul if he's ever felt so frustrated that he just wants to shake his patients. Um, and so Paul actually says that there's a term for this, which is called compassion fatigue, where uh, therapists, you know, like their job is to feel the compassion and to try to help guide people through it but that that it does wear on them um and so jimmy again as you say he laments that like they know what their patients should do so why not just tell them um and so I, you know, not to get too much into the quote section, but Paul basically pushes back on this and says, like, it's not really, you know, if we tell them what to do and like make them do it, then they're just there's another person just telling them and taking control away from them, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he uh, uh, coins the term uh, psychological vigilantes. And I got to agree with Gabby. That sounds badass as hell um, and something like that. Um, but really what I took from this scene, Craig, is like, I just love the dynamic between these three because Paul is the head of this therapy unit and stuff like that it's his business um but like it really feels like these guys are just kind of like their own mini family doesn't it it does like they uh it's clear that they're 
that Paul's brought these two in into the practice and that it's his practice. We find that out later on when he talks about the coin flip, uh, if yep. <laughs> Jimmy's going to bring his whole career down to a screeching halt because of all of this. But you're right about Harrison Ford. And, you know, I mentioned Oof. last time that I felt like this is a complete departure from what we know Harrison Ford as. And I kept getting this like in the back of my mind. I had this movie in mind that I just wasn't able to come up with at the time. But it's actually kind of a weird mixture of uh, shrinking and then also The Morning Show, which is another <laughs> Apple TV Plus show. Um, but Morning Glory, it was a film Morning starring Glory, Harrison Ford and Rachel McAdams. It's a really fun popcorn flick, yeah. but Harrison Ford kind of brings the charm that he had in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. And he is able to bring that to this performance. And the he's still got like the mumbly, like kind of like uh, the attitude that, uh, you know, we all love yeah. Harrison Ford. Curmudgeon Ford. Curmudgeon kind Ford, of, yeah. <laughs> he's been a curmudgeon for like the last 45 <laughs> years or something like that. But it's great to see him in a role like this and to be able to uh, sort of get that other softer side of him as well. And I love the interaction. The, the interaction that we get between Jimmy and Gabby and Paul is just incredible from the jump. And that's yeah. what we talked a lot about with Luke on as far as the chemistry on set and how it worked out, because it, this is something that just is evident that they all these all these people love each other yeah and it really really bleeds through onto the performances um so uh jimmy he gets through the rest of the day he's going home but gabby drops a referral on him and we get our other main character of this series here sean played by our good good friend luke tenny luke we miss you we love you we want you back on the show we get it you got to get that deal first but come on back on whenever you can my man um but sean is who he plays and sean he is an ex-veteran who uh keeps getting into fights and uh jimmy kind of does his best to connect but he's like yawning and exhausted and it like just kind of takes over him and sean very you know reasonably leaves angry at this because it's clear that jimmy is just not there and it's funny how jimmy's very dejected by this because it seems mm -hmm. like if i'm guessing if i'm psychoanalyzing no it's true yeah he knows it's right? true but it's also i think probably like faking it at work is like the one thing he can still do um, you know yeah. reasonably well yeah i could see that too and so this is probably like he failed at that now too so it's just kind of like a uh. and also maybe because he got through to grace he's thinking like okay i got a little bit of this and everything there's also a really fun little bit with gabby and him where he talks about never seeing home alone which is quite fantastic um, yes you'll get that later um but anyway he comes back to his house and he immediately sees a vision of his wife Tia and she's on the couch watching MMA because uh, she says it relaxes her um, there's a fun little like bit of playful like you know couple things here that that happen um, and it's all underscored by Paul Buchanan's midair which is a, a wonderfully melancholy song um, about lost love essentially and I love this, Craig, because even the color palettes of these scenes are different. He walks into the house and immediately it's meant to look like it's one continuous thought. Like, you know, it shoots away. It's a cutscene, but it looks like it's the same thing because he's wearing similar clothes and everything. And then when it cuts back to him after he's seeing this, the color palette is so drab. And you just get the sense of like this man, like he can't like deal with anything in his life because mm -hmm. little things like that spur these memories that he can't do and we haven't learned that she's been killed yet you know, that she's dead but we know that she's not there and that it's just left this gigantic hole there um and so as we kind of snap back to the house he sees these car lights and he sees that alice has returned from school and that she's walking into liz's house and so he sneaks over through the bushes to peer into the window and i just let i didn't even put it there but like he gets caught in them and he says release me which is just a fantastic like that had to be 
a great Jason Siegel ad lib on there. Um, but then uh, Liz notices him. She comes to the window, um, and you know he ba- she basically tells him a lot of stuff about Alice that she should he should already know, like that soccer has already started, that she's doing really really well. Um, and it's clear that Jimmy like hasn't been there, you know, for her for a very long time. And Liz asks the question, which I think is like so key to this whole episode, which is is this going to be how you are forever? And Jimmy is again, you're right. Like Jason Siegel's vulnerability in all of this is so paramount to this, this part because he literally says very much. So like, I don't know. Um, and so Liz makes him a plate of food. He and Alice reluctantly go home. Um, and you know, Liz basically tells him the hard truth that if you don't like deal with this, like you're going to make it. So she never wants to see you or never wants to come home again. So you got to do mm-hmm. it. Um, so what do you think of this whole sequence here, Craig? Yeah, you give me a lot to chew on know, there, right? buddy. But <laughs> I will say it's great to see the dynamic at work with Sean. And I think you are right. Like I, I still do think that like being also called out while you're uh, not paying attention or not focusing yeah, is <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh, it sucks for sure. I mean, I've done that so many times on podcasts and things like that. I will oh, yeah. uh, get zoned <laughs> into something else and something else will take my mind. Or if you're in a conversation with someone and you know, it like, it really like hurts when you're called out on that. It's uh, it's not something that's a fun experience. And so I think that Jimmy is uh, going through that as well. And he just thought that he had a win. Like, yeah. you know, he's feeling yeah, yeah. good about grace. And then here he is like right back, uh, brought down to earth. You mentioned the color palettes and it, honestly, it was also the lens, uh, the way they focus yeah. the lens too was a lot softer when they're doing like their wrestling and playfulness. Yeah, and you can yeah. see that this is a, a relationship that was worth aspiring to, right? Like, yeah. and they went um, hand cam too. They, they went hand cam on that too. So it makes it feel like you're really more in there and it's a more dynamic atmosphere as opposed to like the still shot of Jimmy just in the house. <laughs> there was a show on FX and I thought that it had a, really interesting premise and that it was about like uh, what we see as like a sitcom family and then it would cut to real life experiences of this woman yeah, who's yeah it was annie murphy's show uh yeah kevin, kevin can, can, can go himself. fuck himself yeah <laughs> yeah i think it, I, I think it was just kevin can f himself was the official title i don't know yeah. uh, if they actually <laughs> dropped it in the title but uh that it kind of was like a reminder of that show in that how warm and inviting that living room space looked mm. and then immediately how cold it looked yeah. without tea there and with Jimmy just sitting there by himself. So I thought that was a super interesting way to uh, present this like air of what this relationship was. And again, we still don't know the outcome of this relationship. Is she just moved away? Are they divorced? You know, did something happen to her? Of course, we would find out later on in the episode. Um, And that's when we get a real true connection with Sean, too. Because at first, Sean is like, I'm not having this. Like, he already doesn't want to be there. And now he's realizing that his therapist also doesn't want to be there. there. But Mm -hmm. is there there something that makes that more endearing, though, too? I wonder if, like, kind of like we're both in this together neither of us want to be here kind of thing as opposed to if jimmy had been something more like a traditional therapist or even more over the top than a traditional therapist going like well what can i help you with today yeah. you know like if he, if he brought that charisma i wonder if that even sets off sean even more but that's uh, just something that just popped into my head but yeah i i just uh i love that liz is telling jimmy that he needs to get it all back together that it's been in, you know, like I, I, again, this is one of those quotes that I would have saved for later, but when she just says, I'm sorry, I have to ask, is this you forever? Yeah. 
And <laughs> like, is it like, is this going to be what we have to deal with now? And uh, it's just, I, I think that the dynamic between those two characters, Jimmy and Liz's relationship has really been shown quite uh, a lot in this pilot episode. And I really appreciate where that's going to go in the future as well. Yeah. I would be fascinated to know like how Liz and Jimmy interacted with each other before uh, Tia's death, you know, because like, Liz is obviously like a very acerbic personality anyway, but it's like she's very she strikes me as that kind of person. she's no nonsense she likes what she likes she doesn't give a crap what anybody else really thinks um or at least masks that very well but like you can tell there's like this just touch of caring every time she asks this stuff and I, again i think krista miller is really the only kind of actress that can play this part so perfectly like this because like for all of like the mean or like you know straight laced things that she says it always comes off as just kind of like a, 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 a like there's a genuineness of curiosity of wanting to know the answer instead of just, you know, laying an insult out there, so to speak. So um, let's get to the next morning, though, because Jimmy is making an omelet for Alice in an effort to try to connect with her. Uh, Paul tells him it won't work. And indeed, he is correct. Um, so we already learned here that Paul has uh, got some wisdom that Jimmy needs to listen to. Um, so back at the office, um, we see that Sean is back. He says he basically didn't have a choice. Um and Jimmy tells him that he's normally very good at this. And then just perfect timing, his phone rings <laughs> and says that he's got to take this, take the call, which is, again, a great reaction shot from Luke Tenney as well. Um, but he learns that this is Grace and she's calling him from her sisters in Canada and that she did indeed leave her husband. Um, and he is very, very psyched about this. Sean knows, no, does not know what to do with like this reaction. Um, but he's basically kind of like renewed. He's like rejuvenated. He's like Superman getting a dose of yellow sun. Um, he is ready to take on the world. Um, and he basically then sits down and shows Sean and us collectively the picture of the man that he assaulted. And Craig, this is like, this is some brutal stuff here. Um, and he basically tells us like, this is not, like a normal thing. This is not just somebody like getting mad and going off. Like you, you beat him until he was unconscious and then you beat him more. Um, and so Sean actually does sort of open up here and he tells him that he kind of goes into like this fugue state of sorts. He just sees white. And then like, he kind of like wakes up and he just doesn't even know what happened. Um, you know, but th there's something that sets him off. It's usually something little and he just can't control it. Um, and so, and, and I love absolutely how, Luke and how he acts this line where he literally asks him like if Jimmy can make help him make it stop. Um, it really mm -hmm. is just like the most vulnerable we see Sean this entire time, and I just love that like Jimmy's just kind of like I don't know. You know, he just continues to do his like Jason Siegel shtick. Um, but um, he does have an idea which is to take him to an MMA gym uh, to see if that can help him with uh, his aggression. So, what did you think of this scene uh, with, between Jason and Luke here, um, and you know, kind of like the setup of Jimmy's idea to help him? I appreciate that the dynamics start to shift just a little bit and that you do see Sean opening up ever so slightly because I think that this is going to be a, a hard struggle for Sean to be able to open up and to talk about what it is that he wants to talk about. It's inferred that he's, I mean, he just is only there because his dad says that he has to be there. He's had some legal troubles in the past because he just beat the absolute crap out of somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that on some level, you also have to be willing to accept that help before you can truly start to move forward. And uh, I don't know that when we first saw Sean the day before, he was ready to accept that help. So yeah. I, again, it comes back to that first interaction. I wonder what it was about kind of the, 
crappiness of the first interaction that allowed Sean to think that maybe this is someone who ultimately could potentially help him. And uh, I do think it's funny that you take somebody that is having trouble with assault and take them to uh, MMA, to an (laughs) MMA gym. And it's mainly, I mean, like, of course, the connection point is that he had just uh, had that flashback to Tia watching MMA as well. And so that kind of spurred him into action and got him thinking about it. (laughs) I love the, like, uh, He's going to use his legs. He's probably going to do that the whole time. <laughs> like like forgetting that MMA is like all yeah. mixed martial arts. It's mixed not just arts, boxing. Guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's just really, really great. And it leads to, to a great conversation just outside of the gym uh, over some popsicles. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where we get two big revelations in the next two scenes about these characters. So um, outside Jimmy, he basically tells Sean that like, his time overseas, and he says, is, is filled with trauma. So we're going to learn more about this in later episodes. But yeah, Sean's had some times overseas uh, in the army. Um, but he basically tells him that like it's the, this trauma has filled him with rage that is constantly looking for ways to get out. And so what Jimmy's calculation is, is that if he can beat up somebody who actually wants to fight, a you know, i.e. training at an MMA gym, maybe it'll actually stop him from doing it just so randomly out in the world when somebody sets him off, and it will buy them some time so they they can actually figure out what's wrong inside his head in terms of like what sets him off. Um, and I wrote like, it actually is just like this very, very sweet moment that they share together. Um, then we get this smi- slide aside. That's going to be coming back in the next episode where Jimmy uh, tells him they really need to leave quickly because he sees his best friend getting gas uh, across the street. Weird. Why wouldn't you want to see your best friend? More on that later. Um, Back at the office, though, we see Jimmy uh, and he's telling Gabby about his plan. Now, she's very, very skeptical, but in her insanely witty way, again, everything Gabby says in this series is gold. Um, But this is also where we learn a very important thing, which is that Paul has Parkinson's disease. And it's just so casually dropped in here because Mm -hmm. Gabby's talking about wanting to get him a a water bottle of his own to help him drink more water to help with the the stuff there. It's an insane, like, great way to just drop that in. And then, guess what? They don't deal with that the rest of this episode. Again, I love, like, the slow, intentional walking of development of these relationships here. Um, But when it comes to Jimmy's plan with uh, Sean, Gabby basically tells him that it's very unethical. She doesn't even want to be a part of it. Jimmy tells her, though, like, I need you to be excited for me. And Gabby says, like, I think the the very fun uh, line, but also the very important one, where she's like, I love seeing the spark back in you, but (laughs) rut-row. So she's she's foreseeing a lot of things that are going to end up happening in this series, I think. But she also sees that, like, this probably is something he needs right now. So what do you think of these two scenes, Craig? Uh, I love the, so first of all, I think that continuing on with the uh, Sean and Jimmy stuff, I I, I can't wait to see where that's going to go. And I think it's fascinating. I do think it's interesting, you know, like that he's avoiding Brian when Brian's at the gas station and kind of sneaking away from him there. I think that that's kind of a a big tell as to where he's at in his life, that his best friend doesn't even know where he's at. And we've all Mm -hmm. seen like, we've all had friends that we've had to check in on because of whatever going on in their life. And uh, if you're avoiding your best friend, that's not necessarily meaning that you're in a good space mentally generally uh most of the time but jessica williams and jason siegel these two are Mm. magic when Mm. they are on screen uh throughout this entire series and you can start to see that here i love all the conversations about water that gabby has it it makes me think i need to like she's like she's i don't (laughs) well i don't i don't have one within uh reaching distance she's like talking about like oh my knees are better because of water (laughs) this is better because of water and i was just like man this is like an ad for me drinking water that's what uh bill lawrence and brett goldstein they just want us all 
alcohol to drink more water. Drink more That's water. what it really comes down to. So <laughs> I just, uh, I, I did catch for sure hit the mention of him having Parkinson's um, and how uh, we'll see how that evolves later in the show and, and what kind of a point that becomes a con- point of contention, I'm sure. But it, it's interesting that it's dropped in so casually, as you mentioned, yeah. just like, kind of like, oh, I wonder if that'll help with the Parkinson's. And it's just because I think what that does is it helps establish that there was time before we have just started to be dropped into this office. So like they have a history together. They know each other. It's not everything is not a huge revelation for them because they've been living through all of this. And you can see that a lot in the chemistry that's given between Gabby and Jimmy throughout this scene. Uh, And she's a man. She's got some killer lines throughout this entire thing. Like this script is so funny and witty Mm. and I don't know that it gets the credit for it's not the dad jokes necessarily. And sometimes it is the dad jokes, but it's like, it's There's wit. a wittiness yeah. about this show that is different than Lasso, but really gives you that vibe of like, what, what do you take down as a quote? Because everything could be a quote from this show. <laughs> definitely. Well, and I think the similarity there, like Lasso definitely still had wit, but the the key factor, I think, is just the nothing is mean spirited. Like nothing in this show is mean spirited. Everything is just like done with this uh, air of like genuine curiosity and and, you know, going from a side of like, you know, uh, just optimism in terms of like everything doesn't have to be mad or everything doesn't have to sound like it sucks. Um, so uh, what a re- really rare, rare concept. Um, but after this, we see a, a montage of Sean at the gym and Jimmy trying to reconnect with Alice uh, set to the amazing song spirits by the Srembellas. Um And again, this montage is ended abruptly though, as Jimmy walks into his office to see Paul sitting there waiting for him, startles him quite a bit. Um, and he tells him that Sean's father called him because of uh, Sean had a, a chipped tooth. Um, after one of their sessions. Uh, so Jimmy comes clean about it and uh, and what he did with Grace. Um, and Jimmy does an amazing impression of Paul. Uh, Jason Siegel doing a great Harrison Ford impression. Um, and so Paul, though, like, I love that he takes his tack, though. He doesn't really get into, like, the ethics of it right now. He just says that he's worried about Jimmy. And again, you get to see that, like, there's this personal relationship care that Paul's character is going to rail against later, um, I have a feeling. But, like, it's one of these things that like it shows just this amazing care that he has for him. And then the line that you said, Craig is really the crux of it where he says like, are you even trying to be careful or are you going to like burn your career and take mine down with me? And then you said, we get the response coin flip. Um, And so I think that like he recovers it by saying it's a joke, but I think he's being very honest in that moment. Like he doesn't quite know, but he knows that this is something different. That's kind of getting him out of his funk and it's something that he thinks he needs. And so he asked Paul to let him keep going and he kind of does there. And so I, I wrote down, there's a real father-son dynamic at work here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a huge father-son dynamic or mentor-mentee, whatever you want to, if you don't want to make it paternal. But uh, it's just like clear that Paul really cares about Jimmy. Yeah. And Jimmy understands uh, the type of trouble that he could be getting himself into. But I, I think it's also worth noting that Paul allows Jimmy to still move forward with this idea. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, he doesn't necessarily stop it uh, right away and he gives him some freedom and flexibility there. I think that that's kind of an interesting approach to this. Uh, yeah. He could have just said like, hey, I run this practice. You need to knock this off now. Like you're not doing this anymore. And so it's like Paul is allowing Jimmy to have a little bit of agency and i wonder how much of jimmy's current state plays into that like maybe paul is thinking oh you know maybe this will get him out of his uh, funk or out of his depression and they can go from there 
Yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think this is sort of therapy for Jimmy from Paul's perspective um, in terms of like, you know, he I think he and Gabby like recognize just like he's probably been sleepwalking his way through work for a while. And now they see there's like the spark back in. And it's like, even though it's dangerous ground, even though it might not be ethical, like to the max. I think they see that he needs it and that it's bringing Jimmy back, so to speak. Um, and so they're wanting to keep going with this, even if for a short time. So um, we back at the gym, Jimmy asked Sean uh, what makes him happy and when was the last time that he felt it. And Sean says that uh, when he thinks about things that made him happy or when he was happy, it makes him pissed because he realizes that that time is gone and he knows he's never getting it back. Um, and so this is when Jimmy finally confides in him and in us that his wife actually died unexpectedly in a car wreck. Um, and that the last time he saw her, they were in a pretty big argument. Um, and so that really is, and I can't even imagine that, Craig. Like, that's just a brutal, brutal thought. Um, and so then he talks about what we actually saw earlier in the episode where he says, like, these small memories come back to him at times. And when he comes back from it, it makes it so much more awful um, because he knows that she's not there anymore. And that, you know, the world isn't that world isn't that way. Um, and so he tells him like, he hopes one day he can remember her without feeling awful. Um, and it's really apparent now that he and Sean have this genuine connection. Um, like they have finally fully connected and I can't wait to see where this goes with it. But uh, Jimmy then actually, Cuts to the next morning and he's got blueberries for Alice and he's telling her that they don't have to talk, but they she can just sit and enjoy her breakfast without running out like uh, abruptly. And then he also shows her that he washed her jersey. And I love this, Craig, because typically in this situation, you'd be like a, I don't know, reluctantly walk away or smile, walk away or something. But Alice just lays it all out there and she says, like, this isn't enough. You know, like mm -hmm. that she basically says, you know, Tia's death, mom's death. It didn't just happen to you. It happened to me, too. And I've been dealing with it alone. Um, and so all these things that he's doing right now, it's not enough. Um, so I love this scene. Uh, what did you think of these two here? I loved it. I, I um, you know, I think that, again, the Alice stuff is just so well done. And uh, getting back to um sean and like you're you're learning this about tia and you can kind of put yourself better into perspective of what's going on with jimmy and uh what that might have done to someone you know or if even if you haven't experienced that kind of loss that that overwhelming grief that mm. is just clouded over him um and the fact that you're able to work that out because he shares that with sean in a way that he really wasn't supposed to share that with yeah. him and i mean that even comes up like yeah. he's supposed to be telling me about this nope. stuff um and then uh you're right again <laughs> Lakita maxwell holy mm, moly just, that line uh this isn't enough like was just so gutting yes. when uh she delivered that and i because it's not uh, was yelled floored. it's not yelled it's just like so no. calm it's just like yeah no not working like it, it's it's just so like Oh, you're right. It's just like this slap on your entire hopes and dreams. <laughs> it's like, nope. Anyway, let's uh, cut to Sean. Uh, he's walking down the street, and this very rude man bumps into his shoulder on purpose, definitely looks like. Um, and we get this great close-up of Luke Why? Kenny. Why does he bump into him like I'm that? I was trying to, this like, was his I was girl watching it again. I mean, clearly we need it for the story to progress. I understand that. It's a plot point. But, like, there's plenty of room on that sidewalk. Like I'm, I'm, well, a, I'm should guessing... have found like a tighter sidewalk or something to shoot that scene on. Cause it gave me so many questions that I was like, why is this guy bumping into him? Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I'm this. guessing that one it's the, the girl walking in front of him is probably his girlfriend. 
uh, Sean gives her like this little nod smile thing. And I'm sure this guy is the kind of dude who's like, you smiling at my girl. Um, so don't know why I made him Southern in uh, Pasadena, California. But anyway, um, but th- we know what's supposed to happen here, right? Uh, Sean is going to lose it and he's going to wail on this guy. Um, and we cut to actually Jimmy getting a phone call from him. And as he drives up, like we see that he's sitting on the sidewalk and we think to ourselves, everything about the way Luke starts these lines makes it think like something happened. But he basically tells him like, I didn't do it. You know, I wanted to fight him. I was like very angry about it, but I just walked away and I don't know what to do with that. So you're my therapist. Tell me how to deal with this. And Jimmy is just like, that's it. You did it. <laughs> he's like so happy and so thrilled about it. He's like, you you did this. Um, you uh, dealt with your anger in a healthy manner. Um, so they're totally connected now. And basically Sean tells him, you know, like, don't you have to feed your kid? And he's like, oh, she's at soccer. And he's like, well, we're going to her soccer game. Let's know? go to soccer. And I mean, I, did you catch too, like why Jimmy said he wasn't there? Because um, he asked him and he said, like, because I'm awful. Um, which is yes, an amazing yeah. response to that um, because it's very telling and also very, very true. But um, Sean says, nope, we're going, man. We are going to the game. And uh, they do this great montage to uh, life and films get closer. But what do you think of like that scene there? You already said a little bit initially of that. They're already helping each other. This yep. weird, completely unethical, way worse than Dr. Jacob dating his patient, but yes. like going and and seeing uh, the the uh, two of them connect in this way to like give this back and forth of like, we got this. And it's the camaraderie. And honestly, it feeds into Sean's character is a veteran and it feeds into this idea of protecting your unit. And it's almost like uh, it establishes right from the beginning that this is a different type of relationship than the other mentor mentee relationship we see with paul and jimmy so mm. i really appreciate that sean is like no man we're gonna do this and uh i i think that that gives you a sense of compassion for this character that coming out of the first episode when you see all this like violence and beating up and stuff like that you don't know how to feel about sean but there's something in there there's the it's his good soul that is just not being allowed to uh, be out there all of the time because of these issues that he's dealing with, with the PTSD and everything else that he's got going on. So um, yeah, I, I think that it's great that he's the one that uh, pulls Jimmy to the soccer game. I, I love the, one of the lines is definitely going to come up here in just a few minutes Yeah, <laughs> um, that comes from, from that but i love that montage too and i love the jason siegel roar that we get like <laughs> yep. uh it, co- it wouldn't be a jason siegel show without like that kind of roar the when he siegel comes roar. Off, uh, <laughs> over the the fence as well and then to be able to see a little bit of the soccer match uh, is fun, but it's not always fun at the soccer match, right, Jeremy? No, it's not. And you mentioned that montage. I love the metaphor of you know Lou or Sean helping him up the hill at the end. You know, people helping people. It doesn't matter what the dynamic really is there. And he tries to do like the inspirational, and Jimmy's just like, oh, whatever, man. Yeah, just, let's, they do the they do the slow mo like, run, and then he's just like it off. dead on yeah. the ground. Um, but yeah, they get up there. Um, they see uh, Alice playing, and I do love this. Like Alice gives him just this slight little smile as she's playing the game you could tell that she likes that he actually showed up there and liz is there so again we get the sense liz is the mom like liz is the parent to to alice at this point um she even goes to all the soccer games and stuff like that so um and she kind of gives him also like a little begrudging nod um as well um as alice scores though they're all cheering but then jimmy looks across the field and he sees a man and he's walking straight across the pitch through the game (laughs) toward him and we learn that this is grace's husband who is super pissed that jimmy told her to leave him 
So he literally headbutts him, punches him to the ground, and then starts kicking him. And this is this is pretty intense for like a show that's been kind of like about feelings. And all of a sudden, this is pretty visceral here. Um, but Sean pulls him off of Jimmy and gets punched himself, and this sets him off. He is literally in his fugue state now. Um, and again, you get to see some of the brutality that comes out when this happens to Sean. Um, and I love that though, like Jimmy is on the ground. He can't quite get up yet from the beating, but he's still just pleading with Sean, like, don't do it, don't do it, you know. And uh, but Sean is going nuts on this guy. Um, and they finally, a uh, group of people come and get off of him. Um, the cops take Sean away. Grace's husband is in an ambulance um, because you do not mess with Sean. Um, and Jimmy is there icing his head on the sidewalk. Alice walks up to him and actually says, thanks for coming to the game. Um, and he says I, that he would have come sooner, but, and this is the key factor probably of why Jimmy can't be a parent right now, but that she looks so much like her mom. Um, and it's a very, very sweet moment to close us out as we listen to Christian Lee Hudson's uh, Endangered Birds. So uh, what do you think of our finale here as uh, Sean hasn't quite kicked it yet? <laughs> Crazy, the, um, the that last line and how impactful that is and yeah. how it's delivered because – it should be a really sweet sentiment uh, that she looks so much like her mom. But the reason why Jimmy can't be there as a parent right now is because every time she sees Alice, she sees that every time he sees Alice, he sees Tia. Yeah. And that is just uh, really gut wrenching in a way, yeah. like yeah, especially yeah. as a parent. Um, and to think that you can't have that connection because you have this sort of mental block that is preventing that. It just makes you feel so sad for Jimmy yeah. in that line. It's it, it really makes you feel sad for Alice because what did she yeah. do, right? <laughs> Nothing. Um, and that she's also gone through this trauma and this grief, and she mentions that earlier in the uh, "this isn't enough" speech that she gives. It we got some issues to work out here, man, in yes, this pilot, <laughs> and they've done a good job of getting those all front and center right here in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right, everyone, that is the breakdown of the episode here. Um, we're going to go into now our favorite quotes of the episode. Um, so, Craig, it is time for us to give all of our listeners and ourselves, really, the gift of gab. Holy shit, I don't want to know that. Actually, I do. What? Oh my god, I'm sorry. When I get nervous, I start just saying just stupid shit. And that's what's happening right now. The gift of gab. That's I right. So it. this is taking over our Tedism section. Yep. And this is another one uh, that was brought to us by our listeners. So thank you so much for your suggestions there. And uh, Jeremy, if you want to start it off, I'm just looking up to make sure we credit our source and that we give that person credit who came up with this. <laughs> right, oh, right, right, right. Uh, Lynn is the one that came up with the gift of gab. Yes. Absolutely love it. Up vote everyone. So I'm going to save the uh, quote about Grace's husband for you um, because you mentioned it, but I'm going to go to um, the first interaction we see with Gabby and Paul, where um, Gabby tells Paul, do you know what percentage of your body is water? And Paul says, I know what percentage of me doesn't give a shit, <laughs> which is a great comeback. And, but Gabby undeterred, well, that's the dehydration talking. <laughs> excellent. Excellent I stuff. I love that uh, you you told me the the thing about Grace's husband, and I just love that. So Paul sets this up by being like, "I could understand if he's attractive, but he just starts saying he's a fugly, fugly man." And, I just, <laughs> and then he uh, says, "Fugly oh, inside and out." <laughs> it kills is, me. It we, kills we me. We need to describe more people like that: fugly inside and out. Um, also about Grace's husband, though, his muscles are too big, his shirts are too tight. Nobody likes that. It's gross. <laughs> I also had uh, Paul when speaking of the water that Gabby's doing. He said Virginia Woolf tried to drown herself too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
amazing line. Amazing line. Um, I do love too, though. Um, you mentioned it too. Like uh, Jimmy says, they're like doing an impression of one of his patients. You know, oh, I get sad when I do this thing. Well, maybe don't do that fucking thing. <laughs> you know, it seems, oh, seems yeah. easy. Jeremy, are you just going to keep staring at me until I do the right thing? I guess so. I guess so, man. <laughs> <laughs> also a great line. Uh, also love that dynamic that they uh, bring to each other. And I, I love uh, Liz's line to this is coming like right after the scene where he's picking Alice up at her house mm-hmm. and he's in the bushes and everything. And she just says, get back in the game, dude. Like yeah. get back into being a dad. This is important. You need to be here for your daughter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, one, we didn't mention him a lot in this episode, but Liz's husband, Derek, is just another MVP of this because McGinley, he just shows like the way he delivers lines, like they are cutting lines, but he's smiling his ass off while he says them. So in that same sequence there, he's coming home and he's like, Jimmy, thought I was done raising kids. So thanks for that. (laughs) Jimmy tries to be as undeterred as well. He's just like, oh, you're welcome. Oh, hey, Derek, you're going to love dinner. And he says, if there's any left. (laughs) It's just he is I love so how great. snarky because uh you know Derek I mean we know uh that he's gonna be a, a running joke throughout the show but he gets a little he gets some quips in this first episode oh, and I really I really appreciate that I like that Jimmy uses uh actual like psychiatric yes. theory theory here and he quotes uh Carl Jung what you resist persists mm. and I think that that is an interesting line like what you're trying to avoid much like I mean he's giving this advice to sean what's he doing to alice yeah he's resisting her he's keeping her away because she looks too much like her mom so he's not taking the advice that he's trying to give to sean yeah and i i wrote down in my notes here like that line actually makes me think of a song by the rapper nf it's called the search um and that whole song is about dealing with mental illness and dealing with things um and he has a section in that song where he says um, let me see if I can remember rap lyrics exactly, but he says, we all have something that we hold inside that we try to suffocate, hoping it dies <laughs> and you hold it underwater, but it always survives and it comes up out of nowhere to make you surprised, something like that. But it's literally about that thing about like the things you avoid, the things that you don't want to deal with. They're not going to go away on their own. You have to deal with them. And the that's stuff that is that just is. in your head, Jeremy, I never know where you pull stuff out of, but <laughs> Just just wild. It's I like will, that. And then yeah. also producer credits on movies back in 1978 or something like that. Yeah, you can, something like you that. know that stuff, too. It's so weird. But um, I would I would highly recommend anybody like even if you don't like rap, like I like nominally, but like NF and the search, it's an amazing song. And it's because like he's a rapper who was like dealing with a lot of mental illness when he was getting famous. And so he literally wrote a song about it. And it's it's very, very good. So I highly recommend anybody do that. Um, I, there's some important lines that I remember that I wrote down, which is when Paul was confronting Jimmy, he says, Paul, I think I can help people if I just get my hands a little dirtier. And that's an interesting concept, because that is kind of like the juxtaposition of like the ethics that therapists are supposed to do, but also the desire to want to get more involved and to help them more. So I love that, that they just kind of like perfectly encapsulate it there but i think you've got the comedy one to close us out here man because it's fantastic i well i've got a couple of them oh, yeah, uh, just really 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 quick uh so gabby when she's giving the water bottle to paul because of his parkinson's jimmy responds that's sweet it's also intrusive which i guess is your trademark and i love that <laughs> uh like you get to learn a little bit more about gabby in that and then um 
let's see. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the line of the episode really is when they have to pull over to the side uh, of the road because of traffic and because of the soccer match, right? Because of yeah. a high school girls soccer yeah, match. Yeah. And then um, the then Sean just like turns to Jimmy and says that uh, he's just going to leave it there. And he goes, I'm a white guy in Pasadena. The cops will probably just take it back to my house for me. <laughs> And then Sean goes, must be nice. Must be nice. That is such such a funny and sad line when you think about it. (laughs) There's so many layers to that line, for sure. But what an episode to start us off here, buddy. And I I know now, how are you going to handle this music stuff? I'm just going to basically give the songs and tell you which ones ones are the best. So uh, I think, but this is a great segment name because, of course, um, well, let's get into it first. Let's get into Liz's Rocks. Liz's Rocks! Yeah! Liz's Rocks. So why did we name it this? Because, you know, Liz in the episodes likes to tumble rocks. Um, It's because Krista Miller, in addition to playing Liz in this, is also the music supervisor on the show, which means she picks all the songs that you hear in this. And this is a role that she's done for Bill Lawrence for basically their entire life. So um, this is awesome, though. And the soundtrack, again, everybody go on to Apple Music and download the music of this series. It is amazing. I listen to it all the time. But um, from this prelude, Angry Young Man, Billy Joel, amazing. Um, Unconditional uh, Lookout Kid by Arcade Fire is what plays over like the first sequence. That song is amazing. Anybody with children is going to bawl their eyes out to that because it's literally just advice to their children. Um, It's really, really wonderful. Oxford comma Vampire Weekend. Not a lot of depth, but a really, really fun little beat. Again, I already talked about Paul Buchanan's Midair. Really melancholy. If you are in a a down mood, this song is going to be for you, Um, but it's there. Um, probably my favorite uh, song of the episode, though, Spirits by the Strumbellas. It's got a great beat to it, and it really is just kind of about just living life and not caring about the rest. Uh, Get Closer is a great little California beat, and then Endangered Birds uh, by Christian Lee Hudson. Um, a really fun little just, again, melancholy thing, kind of in the vein of like a Sufjan Stevens. Um, but a lot of great songs in this episode. And then, of course, Frightening Fishes uh, at the beginning. So that's it. That's Liz Rocks. Liz Rocks! Yeah, I like that you went back and forth there. So I wanted to credit the people that helped us name that segment. That was Stacy that came up with Liz's Rocks. And then it was Alita that said maybe a title adjustment to Liz Rocks. So yeah. you got to figure out which which direction you're going to go there too, Ooh, buddy. Man. But what a fun episode. It was so great to get uh, to recap something again. As I mentioned, you know, as the WGA and, and SAG-AFRA strikes hopefully come to a close, we will still cover Lasso every now and then too, yeah. especially if we get the opportunity to speak to people about the show and whenever they reschedule the Emmys after all of this <laughs> is over then uh, perhaps we'll get some opportunities there to cover Lasso too but uh, Jeremy I know that we're going to be going into the month of October so talk to him all about what you love to do in October for Front Row Network Monster Cast everyone that's right Monster Cast is back for god I think it's fifth year now um, we are going to be doing content galore all things creepy all things crawly all things ghouly all things scary on the Front Row Network Network. Uh, Sarah and I've got a few things lined up. We are going to be restarting. Are you afraid of the podcast? Yes, you heard it right, everyone. Uh, we will be leading off with the tale of the quiet librarian. Um, so picking up right where we left off. Also, a lot of amazing, fun uh, shows and movies coming out. We'll be talking about the Exorcist Believer, the, the sequel to the Exorcist um, that's coming out in theaters. We'll be talking uh, all about Halloween, uh, all of the horror shorts they do there. In fact, we're going to be releasing all of the interviews we did last year. All twenty-two interviews we did with all twenty-two directors of the 
the shorts from last year's Halloween short, Horror Short Film Festival. Um, and those are really, really awesome. We're going to release those this year. Um, we're also going to be talking um, to Alice or to Jacqueline and Megan over on I Think You're Going to Like This about uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and yeah, we're also going to be doing a comprehensive review and maybe if the strike ends, some cast members of Netflix's new Mike Flanagan series, The Fall of the House of Usher, which just got a 10 out of 10 perfect score from IGN. Um, so lots and lots of stuff. Make sure you go to the Front Row Network Facebook page to follow along with all of it. It is going to be intense. Um, I love this time of year. So get on it. I would love to know. I'm, I can't wait. I'm waiting around my feed to see if the episode for Are You Afraid of the Podcast was actually recorded like three years ago. It was. And it's just gonna <laughs> it's just gonna go drop in and it's gonna seem like there was never a break to it. Like it just won't have any like explanation at the beginning, nothing. Mm-mm, it's just like mm-mm. a break and going into the content. But uh, of course, Brandon and I are now uh, moving through Steven Spielberg's library That's over at right. Cinematic Horizons. We'd love to have you join us. We just watched uh, probably Steven Spielberg's absolute worst movie. <laughs> uh, so we just dropped our episode of 1941. And that means, though, Jeremy, do you know what's next in the Steven Spielberg pantheon Ooh, of movies? After 1941, Crime That would be Raiders of the Lost Ark, my man. Yes, we get to talk Raiders. So from his worst to his best, probably, at least in my mind, we get to talk Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Mr. Harrison Ford is involved in that. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you knew that he yeah. plays a minor he plays a minor part in uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, but can we'll, I tell you we'll like the to... funniest thing about Sarah she never saw that until a couple of years ago and when we started watching it she said like because you know it starts off with like just him in a temple and stuff like that and like she sat there and she was sitting to me after the opening series she was like I thought he was like a fighter <laughs> and I was like well wait <laughs> you know he gets he gets into some fights but like now every single time i see harrison ford i just look at her and just like do you think he's a fighter <laughs> that's so. hilarious he's a lover and a shrinking much less than a fighter but yeah. uh but so that's going on and then of course i've got beyond the mouse where we're we're cranking out that Disney content every single week. Let me think. Uh, oh, this week, I believe you will be able to hear a interview with Justin Souter, who yeah. uh, was on the first season of Peanut Butter and Biscuits with us quite a bit. And he's going to recap all things Alani, a Disney resort and spa yeah. in beautiful Hawaii. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And I can't wait to continue to talk all things Disney over there. So what a great episode, my, my buddy. It's yeah. so nice to be back. I, th- I think right like just like riding a bike, right? No, no flubs, no, uh, no anything. Oh, sure. yeah. there, was flubs. I, there was like five second pause when we both looked at each other and <laughs> just we just like, kind of looked at each other and it was like, can't remember uh, what are you just going to stare until I do the right thing? And that's exactly what I did to you. And then you went on with it. So now the now the whole thing is like, am I going to leave that in so everybody knows what we're talking about here? Or am I going to cut it out so that when they get to this part, they're totally confused? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You need to leave it in and then they'll they'll understand that. That it was yeah. totally uh, us, you know, hitting that bike. And now I got to go listen to some Phoebe Bridgers. Oh, sorry. That's, oh, man. Getting, coming on getting ahead of our episode. skis a little bit there. Coming up in a later episode. But we do hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we are going to go through the rest of this series. And again, if we can get some of the people uh, who made this series possible, of course, just like we did with Lasso, we will do that. Um, but until then, find us everywhere. You find the Front Row Network on Facebook, Instagram, social media, um, or, of course, on nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network all right everyone so for 
PBB Shrinks, I guess. See, I don't even know the name for PBB Shrinks. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Craig. And I want to hear myself think again. (laughs) (laughs) We still need to come up with the ending. What are we going to do? All right. Insert catchphrase. We'll see you guys soon. PB&B Shrinks is a production of the Front Row Network, the entertainment arm of NPR Illinois. Our theme music is Come Daylight by Victor Lundberg. For more from the network, including our articles, podcasts, videos, and much more, visit www.nprillinois.org slash programs slash front dash row dash network.